Part 2. What is justice? Samuel Mason Bacon grew up as part of a close-knit, hard-working set of brothers in a farming community in Natchez, Mississippi, at the dawn of the 20th century. He would foster a successful dairy farming business and become a community leader. While he was relatively content in his hometown, his wife grew restless during the war years when money was to be made in the cities and left Mississippi for Fairfield, Alabama, taking with her their two younger daughters, Annie and Frances. Eventually, Samuel would close his dairy farm and join his eldest daughter, Elizabeth, in Akron, Ohio. There he would obtain a well-paid post at the Firestone Rubber Company. What do you think made him want to leave Natchez? It seems like he had a lot of family here. He was doing well. Because of uh, living condition, he was going to make more money up north than what he was going to make here in the south. So they was working the people here for nothing. I think my dad would get five dollars a week when he first started working at the. This is what he said when he first started working at the sawmill. And he uh, made the decision that he was going to get out of this. And I would have got out too. To better himself. To better his condition. In the aftermath of Samuel Bacon's death in 1948, his family remained in Fairfield, Alabama, but it wouldn't be long until they left for the safety of Akron, Ohio. In 1948, uh, my, my uh, grandfather was killed in Mississippi. And as a result of that, uh, my family, which consisted of my grandmother, Fanny Bacon, uh, my aunt, uh, Frances uh, Perry, who was my grandmother's youngest daughter, uh, and my two cousins, Dean and Dale, and my sister, Dorothy. Uh, we were living in, in Fairfield, raised by my grandmother, Fanny. And so after the, my grandfather was killed, they became frightened. And I became a little disruptive, and I began to get into fights myself uh, with some of the white youth in the area. Angry and disillusioned by the loss of his grandfather, Darrell, age 15, was working as a paper boy in Birmingham. Tensions between white and black youth who gathered the papers together but delivered them in separate, segregated neighborhoods led to the black youth taking on strike action for better working conditions. I, don't, I know that I was angry. Uh, about what happened because I, I knew what the South was like and uh, I, I became very angry and as a result of that anger um, I had a little job delivering papers and we had to go into downtown Fairfield to pick the papers up and the white youth and the black youth who were delivering papers came together uh, and naturally during that time the white youth sometimes would take liberties uh, that they should not be taken, you know, with the black youth. And as a result of that, sometimes fights would ensue. Uh, so uh, at some point, uh, I was one of the older paper boys at that time, and I was 
about 15 and uh, and we decided to strike I began to get some harassment from the manager and from the paper boys because they felt that myself and another youth I think his name was JD Mac Williams uh, as being the instigator to this strike and as a result of that uh, we began to have a tussle uh, not just then but for the following week or so or two weeks or three weeks there was agitation between us and my grandmother was aware of that yeah. and and essentially the family moved because because of mainly because of my grandfather being killed they were frightened In light of her husband's death and Daryl being accused of being a ringleader of a black youth strike movement, Fanny Bacon would decide to take her family, including Daryl, to Akron, Ohio to settle with her daughter Elizabeth, who continued to live there with her husband Charles. In 1985, after 47 years, Darrell finally returned to Fairfield, Alabama. A brief visit for a high school reunion. Well, to tell you an, uh, a story. Uh, I didn't go back to Fairfield, Alabama. I left in 48 until about 1985. Never went back. And the reason I didn't go back because of I didn't want to be exposed to what was there. In 1985, I went back to a school reunion, although I did not graduate from high school. I was going from the 10th grade to the 11th grade, and I left during that summer before I entered the 11th grade. So I went back to this school reunion. I was married, had two kids. Uh, the wife and I uh, drove. To Alabama. Now, this is the first time since 1948. I make uh, from from here. I made reservations in the Jefferson Hotel, which is a hotel in Birmingham that I could not even shine shoes at that hotel. Right now, I got reservations. I pull up, and this is very humorous. Uh, when I pull up in front of the hotel, my heart is beating very fast. I'm very nervous. In my head, I know 1985, things have changed. Integration. People are moving in and out of restaurants and hotels. That's head knowledge. But in my heart, I realize I was still 16 years old. And I'm at the Jefferson Hotel. Um, the red, he's not a red cap, the whoever comes to help you with your baggage. White fella came out, and he said, "Sir, to me, may I get your bags?" And I said, "Oh no, I'll get them." That's what I said, 1985. And my wife sitting next to me, she said, "Fool, let that man get your bags." And then it dawned on me. I said, "Hey, hey, hey, okay, take the bags." He got the bags, took them out. Now I'm walking into the hotel. I don't know what I'm going to face. I walk in, and there's a counter 
and a black lady walked up to me and she says sir may I help you and I looked at her I said honey and I leaned over I said you don't know how glad I am to see you she said she put her hands on the hips she said you know me I said no but let me tell you the story and I said I stood there and told her I was born and raised here in Alabama and, and, and I left in 1948 in 1948, I couldn't come in this hotel to shine my shoes, and I didn't know what I would, what to expect when I got here. And we broke out. We laughed. All, we laughed so loud that people in the back room came out of their office to see what was going on, and they were black. And that all oh, that was a wonderful experience. In recent years, Mr. Broach also returned to Natchez, Mississippi for a Blackwell-Broach family reunion. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just come back from Alabama two, three weeks ago. I went down to Mississippi, Natchez, Mississippi, to a family reunion. Broach, uh, Blackwell-Broach family reunion. The people there, and, and there were a few brooches there, but they don't know as much as I know about the family. So uh, when, when, I, when I got there, uh, I visualized what my grandfather and father, what they had to go through and what caused them to leave Mississippi to go to Alabama, you know. And, and I rented a car in, in Natchez, not Natchez, this is the brooch reunion. I rented a car and drove Highway 20, going back to Fairfield, Alabama, and visualizing that my grandfather probably took a wagon, horse and buggy or something, to get to Alabama away from Mississippi. Working with families of victims, CRRJ looks to achieve restorative justice outcomes. These include working with community organizations and local authorities to design commemorative events where communities together can acknowledge past wrongs and reflect on their meaning for today's struggles for social justice. Gravestones and markers recounting what happened help fractured communities correct the official narrative. For Lucille Bacon Anderson, it was the correction of the narrative surrounding Samuel Bacon's case that was most important. Is there anything else that you, you would like to see come out of this? I would like to see personal facts, you know. We have given more truth here to, than what the... You can't believe anything that they wrote in the Fed paper on Natchez Democrat back there during that time. Everything was a lie. Uh, you just use your, we lived, we lived here. So we know that they was not going to leave our ass, not leave my ass hound in no jail. So we knew everything was a lie. And we knew what was going on during that time. See, when my daddy told me that they took him off the bus because he wouldn't give up his seat, I knew this because I was sitting on the back of the buses during that time as a child. See. 
In fact, up until the 60s, we still sitting on the back of the bus. So I knew that was a fact. Like right now, everybody in here better be paying attention to your news and everything because they trying to put you back where you once was. In the 50s and the 60s, they taking your voting rights. They doing, they going back to the old Jim Crow ways. Just six years after shooting Samuel Bacon, Town Marshal Stanton B. Coleman passed away. He was buried in Fayette Cemetery. He had evaded accountability forever. Nevertheless, Darrell Broach grappled with the idea of an official apology from the state. Part of what the clinic does is we look for apologies based upon what people should have been given based upon the U.S. the laws of time. And so I'm wondering, do you think it would be how would you feel if someone were to apologize to you? What do you think would be the impact of that on you and your family for the loss of your grandfather? Um, I know that you left the South during this Great Migration era, but did that, were you able to leave that behind? Mm, I think so. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I think I was able to leave, leave that behind and not let it uh, weigh me down for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, Apologies are very, very important. I don't know. Um, so if if I got an apology from the state, uh, that would say something. Um, that would be meaningful to to a certain extent, but not the same as if it came from the person who did it. But that may be impossible. You, you see, uh, yes, I I could uh, accept that. Uh, but it would be good if a state was made to feel something as a result of that kind of action. And they don't feel anything with the state giving an apology. Right. You know, it's very easy for the state says, forgive us. But what, have, what has it cost them? Nothing. And, and even that they don't want to do. Well, what does justice mean to you and your family in this case? What does justice mean to me? Huh. Uh, an apology isn't uh, justice. Uh, an apology is to be forgiven for something. And I can forgive. Uh, I don't know if there's justice can be uh, attained. I don't know if, a ju if, if, if justice can be uh, obtained. Uh, for justice to be obtained, that, to me, that seems like somebody should give up something. Uh, something should be sacrificed. Uh, but I wish justice meant that the life could come back. Now, that would really be justice. But anything short of that is incomplete. Darrell found a measure of respite in the idea of his grandfather's story simply being told to the public. What if they were to tell, his, to tell your grandfather's story? What if he was to be memorialized in some way so that people knew and understood who he was? Yeah, th that, would be, that would be good. That would be very good. Uh, because there's something concrete 
that people, uh, including the, the descendants, could see, they could learn something, uh, there could be some benefit from that. I don't see the benefit of an apology from a state, but, uh, but to publicize and to memorialize is something standing. Uh, it's not a permanent thing, but it is something, a temporary uh, uh, concreteness that could be beneficial to those who witness it. Yeah, justice is, 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 justice <laughs> is a peculiar thing, um, just what it is. Uh, some people say, give, uh, take a life, give your life. I don't know if that's justice either. You see, it's just two losses. You know, uh, justice is something very elusive, uh, and I'm not quite sure what it is. Sixty-five years after the incident, the members of the Bacon family, separated by geography and circumstance finally came together to talk amongst themselves about the life and death of Samuel Bacon. With Darrell Broach, one of the most important outcomes of his grandfather's case being brought to light was the ability to tell the story to younger generations, to empower them, to encourage them to better themselves, to become more self-aware. Amongst the correspondence sent between the Bacon family that Darrell had kept was a letter written by Vivian Perry his cousin by marriage to her children. Vivian. Now, Vivian is Dale's wife. Subject, uh, civil rights restorative justice case, Samuel Bacon. Just want you to know this part of our family history. I'm sure you know that you were raised to live as strong Americans without fear or prejudice. We want that for your children. You were also raised without poverty and other factors cited by some gatekeepers as requirements to be vetted black enough in America. Your great-grandfather's stories will show you that you are. Your blackness block having been checked generations ago. Please continue to pursue life and liberty with courage confidence and compassion. Seventy years after his death, CRRJ Project Director for Restorative Justice, Kaylee Simon, along with the Bacon family, organized a commemorative event to honor the life and legacy of Samuel Mason Bacon. On March 17, 2018, Darrell Grinnell, mayor of Natchez, and Fayette Police Chief Captain Thea Grover joined CRRJ and the Bacon family at the Natchez Museum of African American History and Culture to unveil a permanent display about the case. They visited the St. Mark's Baptist Church No. 2 Cemetery where a new gravestone was unveiled. 
Fayette Police Captain Dia Grover presented an official resolution to the Bacon family on behalf of Mayor Enox, declaring, I, Lundell Enix, by virtue of the power vested in me as mayor of the city of Fayette, do hereby recognize the injustice done by then Fayette Police Department and to acknowledge and give a formal apology on behalf of the city of Fayette. Present by video conference was Elizabeth Sampson, the eldest daughter of Fannie Bacon, now 105 years old and still living in Akron, Ohio. My name is Elizabeth Sampson, that's my married name, and I am 105 years old. I just wish he could still be with me. I miss him very much. Uh, but thank the Lord I have loved ones, nieces and nephews, cousins and whatnot, that uh, I have to love and to love me. Seventy years later, the Bacon family finally received official recognition that Samuel Bacon, a civil rights martyr, was killed for an act of courage and resistance, and that the motive for his killing at the hands of a Mississippi law enforcement officer was covered up for seven decades. My name is Michael Melsner, and you've been listening to The Red Record. This podcast was written and produced by CRRJ Research Associate Fraser Greer, based on the investigative work of Mary Gwen.